Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When an innocent night out with friends turns into a deadly confrontation. It just got out of hand. He wrapped the pantyhose around her and choked her to death. This homicide scene was, in my opinion, gruesome. The residents of Poplar Bluff are frightened of their own shadows. People are wondering, who next? This could happen to me. And when 13 years pass with no arrest, the case grows icy cold. There was always that fear that it wouldn't be solved. Until an unassuming witness comes forward with a spooky tale. She was very frightened. Chills went up and down her spine. That helps put a murderer behind bars. He was flaunting the fact that he thought he got away with murder. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Hidden under the shadows of the Ozark mountain range lies the sleepy town of Poplar Bluff, Missouri. 150 miles south of the bustling metropolis of St. Louis, Poplar Bluff is just off the beaten path. This is a small city of a little over 17,000 people. It's a growing city. It's a very diverse community. And the residents of this Midwestern locale are a friendly folk, always willing to lend a helping hand. As long as I've been here, I have observed people willing to help others. It's just a very generous, committed community to make it the best place that people can possibly live. And one of Poplar Bluff's most obliging citizens is 31-year-old Laura Wynn. Her life was totally giving. She just cared about other people and had that 
just patience and, and love. And Laura's aunt, Carol Helton, would know better than anyone. I didn't have a daughter, but I loved her like she was my own. Born four months premature, Laura had plenty of obstacles to overcome, including partial blindness. But she wasn't one to complain. Laura was very determined to, to do good in life and to be independent. And one thing remains constant, her desire to help others. In 1992, after several years of volunteering at Poplar Bluff's VA hospital, she lands herself a full-time gig as a pharmacy clerk. Laura was so good at hands-on care with patients. She enjoyed that job. She was good at what she did. And Laura's best bud on the job, Ruth Pruitt, understands her determination like none other. Me and Laura both um, got a disability. Laura has blindness in one eye, and I uh, have deafness. And we did not let our disability keep us down. With nothing holding her back, Laura Wynn is well on her way. Until one day, when the usually reliable worker doesn't show up for her morning shift, and her shining star burns out for good. Butch Mobley of the Poplar Bluff Police Department is an old-school cop. And for the last 31 years, he's gotten pretty comfortable on the wrong side of the crime scene tape. When I joined the police department in 1980, I was looking for the glory, and I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be part of it. But now I look at this is that I have a job to do to protect the citizens of Pompa Bluff. And in a town as quiet as this, you almost need to go looking for trouble if you want to find it. We'll have a robbery every now and then, but we want our people to not have to worry about the larger crimes that occur in the big cities. Well, they're about to have a whole lot to worry about when on the afternoon of May 7, 1992, a call comes over Sergeant Mobley's radio about a possible homicide in a Cherry Street apartment. You don't know what to expect when you get there. You don't know whether it's going to be a gunshot wound, knife wound. There's a lot of things that go through your mind. When he arrives, Sergeant Mobley is met by a heartbreaking sight. There was a white female on the front porch. Uh, I could see that she was visibly upset, uh, crying. It's determined that the lady up here is uh, the victim's mother. She came over to check on her daughter and found her dead in the back bedroom. The woman tells him that the victim is 31-year-old Laura Wynn. Sergeant Mobley asks Laura's mother, Mary, to wait outside while he checks things out. With no signs of forced entry, he makes his way into the apartment. I found the victim in her bedroom. Her lower part of her body was covered with a blanket. Her upper torso was exposed. She was uh, deceased. I knew this was definitely a homicide. And it looks like this killer picked a rather bizarre murder weapon, an obvious tool of opportunity. It looked like she was strangled. She had one knee high on. She had the other pantyhose wrapped around her throat. It's a sight that leaves this seasoned officer with a quick first impression. I'm thinking that maybe she might have brought somebody home with her that night. He may have been making sexual advances toward her, and she said no, and it just got out of hand. 
It's tough for even the most disciplined cop to see. But Sergeant Mobley's got to keep it together. With a brutal homicide case on their hands, it's time for police to call in the big guns. Former detective Clifford Morris of the Poplar Bluff Police Department has spent the last several years taking it easy. I retired in 2005. And now that I'm retired, there's no stress and I really feel great. <laughs> Just kind of kicking back, taking it easy, doing what I want to do when I want to do it. But back in 1992, Detective Morris is a 16-year veteran when he gets the call about a woman found strangled to death in her bed. At the apartment, he quickly realizes that whatever happened started just inside the front door. There was a yellow smock and there was a blue sweater that were lying on the floor at the entrance to the apartment. With clothing strewn about, is it possible that this crime scene started out as a love scene? Either way, in the bedroom, it's clear things eventually got out of hand. In addition to the nylon stocking around Laura's neck, investigators find more disturbing injuries when they remove the quilt covering her lower body. She had bruises on her left buttocks and upper thigh. There are signs that he had sexually assaulted Laura. This certainly doesn't appear to be a consensual encounter. And police are hoping for some hard evidence when they find a used and discarded tissue under Laura's right shoulder. We hope that the evidence would yield fingerprints or blood that we could match up with the suspect or the killer. Back in 1992, that was all we had going. It looks like this perp took his time to make sure that detectives would have very little to go on. We didn't find any fingerprints at the crime scene. It appears that the killer had wiped down the apartment before he left. And for Detective Morris, it's all just a little too peculiar. To get to the bottom of it, police question neighbors to see if anyone heard or saw anything suspicious around Laura's apartment. And they soon get an interesting lead. One neighbor observed Laura's car enter the parking lot there at the residence a little after 11 p.m. And as she was walking to her front door, the witness observed a white male run from the shadows and into the apartment behind Laura Wynn. The neighbor tells police that he heard no screams or struggle, so didn't call authorities. While he may not have heard anything, what he saw could be the tip police need. The witness gave us a description of the suspect as being approximately five foot five, 140 to 150 pounds, had brown hair. It's a pretty vague description, but it's a start. I didn't know who it could be. We didn't have any evidence. Well, Detective Morris is in luck when the autopsy results reveal some disturbing insight. I believe the killer knew who Laura was, and it appeared that he was angry with her. One thing is for sure, this crime was personal. On a typical day in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, residents can usually be found soaking up the sun by the riverfront. 
or having a bite to eat at the local barbecue joint. But the day after the brutal murder of Laura Wynn, folks are staying out of sight and behind locked doors. Laura Wynn's murder in 1992 was horrific. It was just the type of thing that you never want to happen in your community. Retired city manager Tom Lawson is a lifelong Poplar Bluff resident. And as far back as he can remember, things have been pretty quiet. But murder is one thing he's never seen the likes of before. It was so close to everybody. So there was concern. The police wanted to get the word out. Don't leave your doors unlocked. Don't leave your garage door up. Always be very careful. But no one is more frightened than the victim's mother, Mary, and her aunt, Carol Helton. I stayed with Mary day and night. We were so worried and devastated because we thought someone might come and murder us. It's a reasonable fear, one that Detective Clifford Morris is hoping to squash. But he's going to need a little help. And who better to pitch in than Detective Tim Davis? A tried and true blue-blooded cop. My grandfather was a marshal. My father uh, was a Missouri State Trooper. And my twin brother, he was with the Sheriff's Department. Basically, law enforcement runs in the family. Call it genetics, but he's hoping his police instincts will come in handy when Laura's autopsy results come in. Laura died of strangulation, but the killer used extreme force, fracturing several bones in her neck. It's a clear sign of a furious attack. But it seems this killer was angry long before he reached Laura's bedroom. It was determined that Laura had suffered from an injury located behind the right ear. This injury was a large bruising area. Some object was obviously used to strike her in the back of the head. The idea that this was an invited romance gone wrong now seems way off base. With no defensive wounds found on Laura, it appears one hit was all it took. But that's not all she endured. It was dis discovered that she had uh, sustained a lot of injury to her uh, private area, that some type of instrument had been used to repeatedly assault her. This was a smooth object that created a large amount of bruising and abrasions. With no physical evidence found on the body, detectives turned to the bed linens and the discarded tissue collected from the scene for help. The evidence was submitted to the crime laboratory. It was mainly searched for uh, latent fingerprint evidence, uh, fibers, blood. Nothing is found this time around, but who knows what the future holds. Anytime there's a homicide case, the, the evidence is never destroyed. It's kept secured uh, where no one can touch it. With the evidence locked away for safekeeping, detectives take a closer look at what they already know. Laura's injuries were excessive and a classic case of overkill. But who would want Laura Wynn dead? Perhaps her ex-boyfriend, Joe Tilby, had a bone to pick with her. The relationship between uh, Joe and Laura Wynn was uh, more or less an off-and-on, again, relationship. They had met one another at the Veterans Administration Hospital. It's certainly worth noting that Joe matches the general description of the man seen running into Laura's apartment that night. And it sends up a red flag when police learn that this love story had been a bit one-sided. And Laura's friend, Ruth, 
knows firsthand how smitten she really was. I never heard her talk about no other guys. Nope, Joe's the man for her. But she cared more about him than he did her. I don't think they really had the close relationship together that she would have liked. Perhaps Joe was tired of playing games and decided to end it for good. It's about time for investigators to have a little sit down with the lover boy. Joe said he was at the VFW club that night and Laura was there. They were drinking and talking. Joe left about 10.30 p.m. with his son and Laura was still in the bar when he left. Joe tells investigators that he spent the rest of the night at home with his mother and sister. That may be so, but police want to make sure he can prove it. When you're conducting interviews with individuals, you can't take that this individual is telling you the truth. Good thing for Joe, his mother and sister back up his alibi. But just to be certain, investigators asked Tilby to take a polygraph test. Joe was calm and collected when I interviewed him, and the polygraph determined that he was telling the truth. And Joe Tilby is quick to point police in a promising new direction when he tells them an interesting story about that night at the VFW club. Joe said that uh, Laura Wynn had been arguing with this gentleman named Sam Freeman, who was playing pool with uh, Joe's son and his friend. Laurel thought that he was basically hustling these boys in, uh, in a pool game. And after questioning witnesses at the bar that night, police learned that Laura had stood up against Freeman, and the argument got rather heated. He also matched the description of the suspect the witness told us about that ran in behind Laura that night. Unfortunately, half the men in Poplar Bluff matched the vague description given by Laura's neighbor. Either way, it's a lead worth following up on. So detectives head to Sam Freeman's house to get his side of the story. He stated that he knew a lady by the name of Wynn. He advised that he didn't know uh, her first name, uh, that he knew of her. He basically stated that they had a little conversation concerning a pool game. Freeman tells police when he left, Laura was still at the bar, safe and sound. He then walked a mile to his home and went to bed. When police ask to take a look around, Sam is cooperative and opens his home to investigators. But the search turns up empty. He denied killing her. He didn't have any criminal history. We just had to cross him off the list because we just didn't have any evidence to link him to the case. With friends, family members, and Laura's ex all questioned and cleared. Perhaps police have been looking at this case all wrong. If it was a random act of violence, this investigation just got a whole lot tougher. At this point, there are no real concrete suspects. Anybody is, is a suspect uh, until you eliminate them. We interviewed all the parolees in this area that fit the general description. We interviewed people that lived in the immediate vicinity where Laura Wynn was killed, but none of that panned out. With leads drying up and the department's caseload piling up, the Wynn case gets colder and colder. As the years tick by, Laura's loved ones are still left without answers. 
It's really hard not to lose hope, but in a way, hope is the only thing we have. Hope that justice will come. And it looks like justice might be on the horizon when four years after Laura's death, two other brutal murders rock a neighboring town. There was a definite concern there that the same suspect was involved, even a possible serial killer. Could a serial killer be lurking in the shadows of small-town Missouri? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's been four years since Laura Wynn's murder. And the residents of Poplar Bluff have all but forgotten about the unfortunate incident that happened on Cherry Street. But when two women are brutally murdered a couple counties over, people are once again on edge, including Laura's Aunt Carol. It put fear in town. People couldn't open their windows because they was afraid and rightfully so. A double homicide just 45 miles away from quiet little Poplar Bluff is not exactly the norm around these parts. So when 19-year-old Candy Sisk and 74-year-old Irene Sisk are awoken early on a Monday morning by a cold-blooded killer, it's quite a blow to this calm community. Even Detective Tim Davis isn't accustomed to this type of crime. 
This was a situation where a, uh, a grandmother and her granddaughter were killed and sexually assaulted by a suspect. And not just any suspect, but a local Poplar Bluff resident named Cecil Bariner. Luckily, Bariner wasn't on the loose for long. He's already in custody in New Madrid County after police matched blood in his vehicle to the victims. At that time, we didn't have any viable suspects, so we figured he could be a possible serial killer that had killed Laura Wayne. According to police, Bariner, a friend of the family, came by the Sisk's home to borrow a little cash. But when things didn't go his way, he tied up his victims and sexually assaulted the teenager before murdering both women in their bedrooms. To Poplar Bluff detectives, the murders in New Madrid County certainly sound similar to the Wynn case. That seemed to be that we were on the right track. And the more they learn, the more they are convinced that Bariner just might be their man. He had uh, been living in the Poplar Bluff area at the time of the Laura Wynn homicide. It's a coincidence that's hard to overlook. However, there are also some glaring differences in the killer's M.O. What was different is the two ladies were stabbed to death and Laura Wynn was strangled to death by her nylon stocking. It's not exactly commonplace for a serial killer to mix it up, but it might be worth having a little chat with Mr. Bariner. He basically stated that he was not familiar with Laura Wynn, that he did not know where she lived, uh, and that he uh, did not know anything about the homicide. Based on forensic evidence, there's a good chance he's responsible for the murders in the next county. So it's kind of tough for detectives to take his word for it. When you make contact with a suspect like that, you don't take face value uh, what they're telling you because uh, it's the nature uh, for uh, a suspect to lie to you. But with nothing to tie Bariner to Laura's case, police sit helplessly by while he's convicted for the murders in New Madrid County. And once again, the Laura Wynn case is left to sit wide open on Detective Morris's desk. It was frustrating. The leads dried up, and we didn't come up with any evidence to make any arrest. With the strongest lead in Laura's case at a dead end, her family is still left without answers. We were very hopeful that Bariner would be connected and that finally, finally we would get closure. But it just wasn't. We felt frustrated at the time that we wasn't coming up with any viable leads, but you got to keep going. We never put it aside. All the years we... We kept it up. The lingering investigation puts a lot of pressure on detectives. But no matter how tough it gets, a cold case is one thing that can't be rushed. A cold case has to be taken and set down and read and reevaluated. There's a lot of uh, tedious, detailed work. And whether he's on the job or off the clock, Davis is no stranger to tedious work. My downtime, I enjoy working with handcrafted instruments. All the detail that is placed into those instruments and all the hours that it takes to see that beautiful instrument become something that has got music coming from it. 
To me, that is uh, very satisfying. And some good news in the wind case would be music to Davis's ears right about now. But despite his best efforts, another eight years pass with no progress. In 2005, 13 years since the murder on Cherry Street, Detective Clifford Morris retires, and he entrusts the case to his right-hand man, Tim Davis. I felt real bad that we hadn't solved this case before I left, but I thought the case was in excellent hands. I knew Detective Davis was the man who could solve this case. To me, that was an honor. Uh, the fact that uh, he felt confident in my abilities to do something with the case, I felt uh, there was a, a big responsibility there. And Davis has his sights set on one final goal, find Laura's killer. And he's starting the expedition by diving headfirst into the evidence locker. In old cold case homicides, evidence uh, is never destroyed. Uh, it may be 10, 20 years down the road when uh, you may have a lead that will lead you to the suspect in a homicide case. And this time, the road is going to lead investigators to a finish line. And there's something that's come quite a long way since 1992. I was sure that we was going to solve this case one way or another with DNA. Get more Nightmare Next Door online at investigation.discovery.com. Thirteen years have slowly trickled by since Laura Wynn was strangled to death in her bed. And for Poplar Bluff residents, the crime is pretty much ancient history. But something that remains fresh on Aunt Carol's mind is the fact that Laura's killer is still on the loose. There was always that fear that it wouldn't be solved. We were just so uneasy that this person would get away with this. But that wasn't a time to give up. That's a time to push. And as the new lead detective on the cold case, Tim Davis is ready to push harder than ever. With a locker full of evidence, he's hoping that something will give him what he needs, DNA. First up, the murder weapon, Laura's nylon stocking. During a crime, many times a suspect's hands are sweating, and this suspect used an extreme amount of pressure with his hands. I was convinced that there was gonna be some type of skin cells uh, or something inside of that uh, ligature knot. And detectives get some good news. When lab techs extract two DNA profiles, Laura's DNA and the other from an unidentified male. When the same male DNA is also found on the tissue from under Laura's right shoulder, police know the tide is about to turn. It was very encouraging because we knew then that we had something to work with. If we could obtain DNA profiles from any potential suspects, the uh, examiner could conduct an analysis and a comparison check. And the first person on the list, Cecil Bariner. While Bariner was convicted of killing two women in a nearby county, police were never able to link him to Laura's case. 
but a simple DNA test might just nail this guy. We requested a test of DNA profile of uh, Cecil Barriner to be compared with the male profile found at the crime scene. We thought there was a high probability that he was involved. But the results are not what Davis wants to hear. Cecil Barriner is not a match. Once we realized there was no uh, match with Cecil Barriner, of course, it seems like we're starting at square one again. But investigators are quick to brush themselves off and begin digging into the stack of boxes that make up the Wynn case file. It's a daunting task and a heavy load to bear for Detective Davis. I would take the case file home and spend days and nights reading it, trying to get a different perspective on the case. And the work might just pay off. When Davis revisits an old interview with the woman tending bar at the VFW club the night of Laura's murder. The barmaid stated that Laura Wynn came to the bar to visit with friends, patronize, socialize. It's a story police have heard before. But the bartender also gave some intriguing information about Laura's last hours. Later in the evening, a man made advances towards her in which she had basically told him that she was not interested. And she hit his pride. A guy hitting on a girl at a bar is nothing new. But could a bruised ego be motive for murder? It's definitely possible. And one detail in particular piques Davis's interest. The barmaid recalled on that particular night that she had given him a last shot of Galliano liquor. He asked her if he could have the bottle for his collection. She gave it to him, thought there was no reason why she couldn't. It sounds innocent enough, but Detective Davis is quick to put some disturbing pieces of this puzzle together. We knew from the autopsy of Lorwin that some type of instrument had been used to repeatedly sexually assault her and it caused the damage to the back of the head. This would have to have been an instrument that was smooth, which basically fit the description as the Galliano bottle. That bottle, in the hands of a spurned Romeo, could have been a deadly combination for Laura Wynn. And it seems not only was this guy angry about Laura's rejection, but according to the bartender, he also got into a bitter feud with Laura that night. A feud over a pool game. This scorned admirer is somebody Detective Davis is all too familiar with, Sam Freeman. In 1992, he admitted to police that he had a simple conversation with Laura about the game of pool. But the bartender remembered things a little differently. The barmaid stated that the argument between Laura Wynn and Sam Freeman was a heated argument. It caught her attention, and other patrons were disturbed by it. He was visibly upset. The thought of a drunk, angry, and rejected Freeman leaving the bar with a possible assault weapon sends shivers down Davis's spine. I felt convinced that we were on the right track, that the bottle uh, that Sam Freeman left the club with on that uh, Wednesday night uh, was an instrument that was used to assault Laura Wynn. But police interviewed Freeman in 1992, and he was very cooperative. He even gave them free reign to search his home. 
but nothing incriminating was found. On top of that, Sam Freeman had been an upstanding citizen by all accounts. He was a soldier. He had uh, been involved in Desert Storm. He had uh, recently uh, been uh, discharged from the military uh, in November of 1991. Even Clifford Morris figured Freeman was an okay guy at first. Sam Freeman didn't have any criminal history. He was uh, trying to be a city council person in a small city east of Poplar Bluff. And since 1992, Freeman has managed to stay pretty squeaky clean. He uh, lived out near the river, had a little piece of paradise there. Had a wife and children, um, a steady income, steady job. Is it possible that this seemingly honorable member of society is actually a cold-blooded killer? Well, for Detective Morris, there's always been something about the war vet that didn't quite sit right with him. He said he would take a polygraph test, but when it came time to take the polygraph test, he changed his mind. We had to uh, put him on the back burner at that time because we had no probable cause to make an arrest. Well, this case is about to get a boost when Detective Davis pays a visit to the bartender at the VFW club. And she's got one whale of a tale to tell. She stated that he began to just stare her down, and cold chills went up and down her spine. She's got some new details to reveal about Mr. Sam Freeman, leaving investigators to wonder, has a killer been hiding in plain sight for 13 years? It's taken over a dozen years, but Poplar Bluff police are finally closing in on a killer in the Laura Wynn homicide. And they aren't going to let Sam Freeman slip through their fingers this time. Especially when the VFW bartender has something to say. Something that Detective Tim Davis is anxious to hear. The barmaid, she advised that several years after the murder of Laura Wynn, that Sam Freeman had came back into the VFW club again. He came to the bar, uh, ordered a beer and uh, a shot of Galliano, the same exact drinks that he had ordered on that night. For Sam Freeman to come back to the same club years later and order the same spicy liqueur may just be a coincidence. But what he did next was far from a fluke. He walked to the jukebox, uh, selected a song called Only You Know and I Know. He walked back to the bar, sat down, and began drinking uh, the shots of Galliano. After police released information about Laura's injuries in 1992, the bartender had long suspected Freeman and his Galliano bottle. And after the more recent incident, she was convinced that he was trying to tell her something. There were certain verses in the song uh, that pertain to the fact that they both knew something, something that not anyone else knew. And as the song Only You Know and I Know played, Freeman's behavior got a little strange. The barmaid stated that Sam Freeman began staring her down, that she was uh, very frightened, uh, that chills went up and down her spine. 
that she was in fear for herself. As far as Detective Davis is concerned, it all adds up to one thing. He was flaunting the fact that he thought he got away with murder. Well, not if this investigator has anything to say about it. But police will need more than a spooky story to nail him with Laura's murder. They'll need proof. To get it, they track down Freeman at work. We advised Sam Freeman why we were there, what we were doing. We were conducting an investigation into a cold case homicide involving Laura Wynn. He was basically in shock, uh, a look of fear on his face. Investigators ask Freeman to come down to the station for a formal interview. We ask him if he had ever had uh, contact with Laura Wynn, uh, if he had ever been to her home. He denied all these things. Oddly enough, it's what he doesn't say that piques detectives' interests. The normal person is going to say, you've got the wrong man. But Sam Freeman never did that. It was like he had resigned himself to the fact that finally it's over. Uh, I've been caught. And he's about to be caught red-handed when police serve him with a search warrant for his DNA and for his home. I felt like that Sam Freeman would still have this Galliano bottle. Many of these individuals uh, keep what the police call trophies. They keep uh, articles uh, uh, that were involved in a crime so that they can relive that sensation of committing that crime. And what do you know? Smack dab in the middle of Freeman's bottle collection is a tall, slender Galliano. Any time that you find a piece of evidence like that, that's a big moment because it tends to put the puzzle in place. It just bolstered the case more. But the question remains, is it the same bottle used in the attack on Laura Wynn? In order to find out, police test it for DNA. Blood was detected just inside the, the lip of the bottle. Blood that could have came from the victim, Laura Wynn. However, there was not enough to create a DNA profile. Although they can't definitively say the blood is Laura's, human blood on the inside of the bottle is hard to explain away. Luckily, it's only a matter of time before police learn whether or not Sam Freeman is a match to the DNA found on the murder weapon. I received a call from the DNA analyst he said, are you setting down? And I stated, yes, why? He said, we got a hit. Sam Freeman, he's your guy. It's a call the Poplar Bluff Police Department has been waiting years to hear. I don't think there's any way to describe that feeling, especially when you have spent that much time on a case and when you finally get a hit like that, a DNA hit, it makes it all worthwhile. And for Clifford Morris, it's hard to find the words to describe the weight that's been lifted. I just felt good that the case was solved after all those years. I was very elated. On September 8th, 2005, 
Sam Freeman is arrested and charged in the murder of Laura Wynn. He is convicted and ultimately sentenced to life in prison, with no chance of parole. It's a victory for police. But for Laura's Aunt Carol, the hurt caused by Freeman's actions cannot be erased. It was more than we could stand. That anybody could do that to someone as good that Laura was. How anger and alcohol and so many things can cause a person to do bad things. And while the question of why may never be fully answered, Detective Davis has a hunch. She hit his pride. First, when she confronted him. Number two, she rebuffs him. The macho type guy that he probably thought he was, not gonna allow her to embarrass him like that. And that ultimately, he would have a say in that. Well, justice will have her say too. Freeman will spend the rest of his life behind bars. 13 years after the murder of Laura Wynn, police finally have the facts. Based on the evidence and the reports from eyewitnesses, this is what they believe happened that spring night in 1992. Laura Wynn and a few friends gathered at the VFW club. After several drinks, Freeman makes an uninvited move on Laura, but he's quickly shot down. She just didn't want anything to do with him. When rejection turns into fury, it's a final straw that drives Freeman to murder. She had confronted him, which embarrassed him. With the Galliano bottle in hand, he walks four blocks to Laura's apartment and waits in the shadows. She arrived home, Sam Freeman ran in struck her in the back of the head with that Galliano bottle. He dragged her into the bedroom, sexually assaulted her, placed her nylon around her neck, and strangled her to death. After thoroughly scrubbing all his fingerprints from Laura's apartment, Sam Freeman goes on about his life. Laura didn't get the opportunities to have a family and have children for her own. So her death made me respect life more. She was a good person, a lovable person, and I miss that. I miss that so much. And while life goes on in Poplar Bluff, the brutal murder on Cherry Street will always be seared in history. But for residents, the loss of one of their brightest stars is hard to forget. Think of all the lives that, that he did ruin, actually ruin. That crime lingered on and on, but justice was served. And the people of Popper Bluff are very proud of that. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.